Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Church Technology. And this week will be a fairly short week because I've actually been very busy since our last show last Monday. And uh, just a reminder that we do record this show uh, live every Monday night at 7 p.m. And uh, you can watch all the previous shows by going to the tech-zen.tv website. Or if you're on YouTube and you want to subscribe via YouTube, we definitely can do that too. It's youtube.com slash techzentv. All of our shows are out there at techzentv. And if you want to connect with us on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash techzentv. Go out there and click the like button. We definitely appreciate that. And you can uh, get some updates from there as well. And if you want to come and chat with us live, it's 7 p.m. every Monday night at tech-zen.tv slash live. And that is 7 p.m. Eastern time. That would be, what is that, UTC? Um, 11 p.m., I think, UTC, 11 or 12, 12 a.m. maybe. And that is um, 4 p.m. on the West Coast. All right. <clears throat> Like I said, this week's been kind of busy for me. Uh, lots of things kind of up in the air and going on. But as I mentioned before, I do some consulting with churches, and uh, I want to talk about some of the things that uh, I've been doing this week and uh, talk about soundboards. So um, my background has been in sound for a long, long time, um, since the early 90s. And I do uh, a lot of that, actually, and I really enjoy doing that. But <clears throat> a lot of churches that are just getting in, uh, and are, the, as they grow or they start doing uh, more non-traditional type of music, um, they tend to have to, a need for larger soundboards because you got you bring in a band or a drum kit and a guitarist. And as that uh, contemporary music style grows, you tend to need more inputs. So this week I've been dealing with trying to explain to people the difference between an analog and a digital. And besides the fact that analogs are typically cheaper, although that's not always the case now, um, there are a bunch of other differences besides cost. So there's always cost uh, issues when it comes to a church because, you know, it's donations and you got to um, use the money wisely from parishioners, all that stuff. So I understand that. <clears throat> but um, what I want to try to try to get across is that now's the time to start looking past analog uh, into the digital realm. And I'm going to give you a couple of different brands of boards and some of the pros and cons, things to look out for, and some of the pitfalls of going digital as well. So typically in most churches, the staff that runs the audio is volunteer. And because of that, you don't want things to be overly complicated because that's typically not what they do for a daily job. Sometimes you get lucky and you get somebody in your in your church that knows what a soundboard is and 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 really can get around on the soundboard, at least isn't afraid to touch it with something with all these knobs and lights and buttons and screens or whatever. Um, but sometimes you get people that are completely out of their element and are very confused by everything. So here's the thing with analog. It's very straightforward. After you explain to somebody that one row with all the knobs on it is exactly the same as all the other rows. All you got to do is the wrong, what run, one row does, you know what they all do. So they're still training about um, routing. So if you're doing something uh, with an aux send of some kind, you got to ex explain that it's just another output that you can adjust the volume. You got to teach people how to EQ. Um, and actually, I'm going to put a link in the show notes of a place that I've been uh, playing with that somebody sent me a link to that teaches you how to listen to figure out what frequencies are 
uh, are what, what they sound like and what, you know, so you can hear a, 2000, a 2K frequency versus a 500 hertz frequency, uh, but it trains your ear to learn how those signals or the sounds sound like. Uh, I'm going to put a link to that in, uh, in the show notes. It's a, actually a very good resource. But most people come in and they don't understand. They don't know where to find that frequency that they're hearing. Something doesn't sound right. Sometimes they, they come in and they don't know how to you know mix a band so that they're not all on top of each other. Things like that. So you come into the analog world and it seems like ultimately it'd be simpler. However, people look at all those knobs. So if you're running, like, uh, for example, we were running for a long time on ML5000, which is a 60-channel or 60-channel board. Uh, has 16 aux sends on it. And this is an analog board, you know, uh, a four band EQ, three of them sweepable. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a really, it was a really big board. People come in and they see, and, and I once counted and it was well over a thousand knobs on the thing. And that, that scares people. So, um, going digital is scary from the fact there's less knobs and it's harder to find things, but, um, it's digital because there's lots of lights on it and things like that and a little bit more confusing to get around. However, if you're just coming in to operate it, a digital board has some advantages. And we're going to talk about some of those advantages uh, and some of the disadvantages as well. And as well as advantages to analog versus and, and disadvantages to analog. One of the dis- big, biggest disadvantages to analog, especially if you have multiple people coming in to run the same system, is they're all going to run it differently. They're going to make a change, and the next person comes in behind them, and then it's going to be changed, and it's not going to be the same as last time they left, and and they could potentially not be able to figure out where the issue is. Where with digital, you can set up a, uh, a program that says it's recalled to this every Sunday. When you start, this is the process you go through. You go in and you recall it, and it comes back to a known state. So that also allows somebody to come in and set it up properly that knows what they're doing. And then people that are less familiar with what they're doing, uh, that but can operate it fine, can come in and still run the service, but don't have to worry about doing the EQs because somebody ahead of them did the EQs for them. And that's typically the biggest thing is the EQing people have a hard time hearing or don't understand what they're hearing and how to fix it. That's ten- that's where I tend to see the most of most of the problems. So uh analog it's fixed if somebody makes a change to a knob it stays that way uh if you come in and you bring somebody in and gets it all set up and it's sounding awesome and then one of the volunteers comes in or somebody else comes in and starts twisting the knobs it'll never come back to the same way unless you took a picture of it and uh and put everything back to you know to exactly the way that it was which is not a bad option uh, if you do have an analog board and somebody's coming and set it properly do take pictures of it because that's typically uh before digital, that's how most sound guys did it when they had multiple bands, especially is they would, uh, you know, EQ in and mix in a band and then they would take pictures of it all. And then when, when they were changing out bands, they'd be going through knob by knob and putting it back. That definitely is a, it's been now it's not Polaroid. It can be a, a cell phone or whatever, but still not a bad option if you are, are limited to that. So it used to be the digital boards were way expensive, but now there's a lot of, I don't want to call them low end boards because these boards, although they're not that expensive, are definitely not low end. So we're going to talk about some of those here. But uh, before I go too far, one of the other biggest differences between a digital and an analog board is the gain. In an analog board, you can typically clip and you don't get a lot of distortion. But on a digital board, when you go clipping or above, you get uh, basically it's all ones. There is no th- nothing above zero. When you go above zero, there is nothing. It's just a, it's just noise 
So there is no such thing as going above like in the analog world. So you should probably mix things to a lower level so you're never hitting the clip. So, um, but one of the things in digital boards, most digital boards will have on each channel also compression and gating. So um, with an analog board, that's all outboard gear. So it's geared that's off to the side somewhere. It goes through an insert or or some other method, and it basically is in line, but it requires you to have all this rack of other, other gear, and most people don't have that. So um, <clears throat> the reason I bring that up is you can use that to your advantage in the case where you want to mix on a lower level. So, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you gain that when you go to the digital world. So by going digital, you're gaining a lot of other advantages as far as control goes versus just a blank analog board. So you have to decide how many inputs are needed. Now, I'm referring to, to churches that typically have more than just a podium mic and maybe one or two handheld mics, maybe two choir mics, the piano. You know, that's right there, what, eight so you can get really small board to do up to eight. But I'm thinking of churches that are at the point where you need to grow past that. Like you're starting to get into contemporary music or maybe one of your services contemporary music and you now have added you know, a drum kit. So I'll tell you when I do drums, I typically have 12 to 13 channels on a drum kit. Now that's not uh, probably normal for most churches, but you know we we double or triple mic the snare. Uh, we double mic the kick drum. Every tom has something on it, two overhead mics and a hat. So you know, add all that stuff up. Um, if you got a kit with, you know, four or five drums on the rack, you know, you've gone up to 11, 12, 13 mics, mic inputs. Sometimes just one or two, one or two overheads is enough, especially for a smaller church to do that. So, I mean, you got to figure out where you want to go with that. Our, our guitars are always mic'd in stereo, uh, and, uh, keyboards are all in stereo. So you start adding up all those channels. It adds up really, really quick. I mean, we typically run 64 channels or so a week, not typical church, uh, as well as I know, but if you're starting to get to the point where you're growing, you need to figure out where you're growing to and what you, what's in the budget as far as what size board. So, um, I'm going to tell you that, uh, probably the, one of the better boards that I've seen for this, and it's a fairly recent release and, uh, don't cringe when I say the name, uh, it's Behringer. It's at our X32 line. Um, Behringer bought or is, I don't know if they bought or the middle is the other way around. I think I'm pretty sure Behringer bought though, uh, Midas. And if you are familiar with large sound boards, Midas is like the console to use for most big touring bands because they are in the really well known and their head, their head amps, the preamp, like where the gain is, is very warm and they sound really good and they're well known for their sound. This board is 32 inputs of, of Midas head in, head amps. So, uh, it's a very nice board. It's actually rather inexpensive. It's probably in the $23, $2,400 range to pick one up. It's a 32-channel input board. And the thing is, every channel has all the features on it. It has um, gates and compression. It has four-band EQ. Plus, it has a low-cut adjustment on every channel. So you don't need to buy any external gear to do any of this stuff. It's all in this one, one box. Now, there's a bunch of other boards out there. There's iLive. There's uh, Yamaha makes an 01V. Uh, it's one V96. Uh, that's only uh, 16 channels natively, but can be expanded to 32. So there's a bunch of other digital boards, and these are all in like the you know couple thousand dollar range, like 2,000, 2,300 in that range. Uh, there's also a Personas board, the the Studio Live. However, I would be cautious about that board. It doesn't work 
the the same way that most soundboards works. If you bring in somebody who's familiar with the soundboard, they are going to be a little confused by it at first because it doesn't it doesn't work exactly like most soundboards do. It's a, it works great. It's a great board. However, um, it's just a little different. So if you're trying to bring somebody in who kind of knows a little bit about this, uh, you want to stick something probably outside of the personas. Uh, not that it's a bad board. Uh, it's it's a, it's a good company. It's a good board. It sounds good. It just functions uh, in a little bit different format than what most people are used to. Uh, it's very confusing to bring somebody in from the outside who hasn't used one before uh, to get used to it. But um, so we're talking $2,000. We're talking about some of these soundboards that are analog or $1,200, but you get so much more with a dig- digital board. Uh, plus, I, and I can't speak for all these boards, but I know some of them, particularly the X32, allows you to record the whole board. Every channel you have, 32 channels, via FireWire into a laptop or a computer, and you can play it back to, to train people. So what you do is you record one of your services, um, and then when you bring somebody in to train them, you basically play it back through the board, and it sounds just like the band or whoever or whoever is still there, and you can train people. So people you're trying to train, it's like they're doing it live with the real instruments and everything and they can they can learn so there's some really cool things you can do with that kind of stuff too so there's a lot of things going forward so i'm I'm basically trying to say is at this point you want to look past the analog world and go into digital um the cost of going digital is not much more if more at all and if you consider the fact that if you had to buy the analog board and you had to do inserts for everything for uh gates and compression then uh, it's a much cheaper to go to the digital board. There's a lot less knobs on digital board, and most digital boards will all let you save scenes and settings. So, like, you can save a particular layout, and then you can also save each individual uh, singer or in- instrument in a library. So, if you change people in and out a lot, like, like we do, um, you if one player comes in this week, you go, go to the channel that they're on, and you hit, re- you go in the library, and you say that's who it is this week, and it brings back the EQs and the gates and compressors and everything as they had set up before which allows somebody to go in and make all this the pre-setup done. And then a volunteer can come in and just go down the line and say, that's who this is today, that's who this is today. And they load up everything. And then they got a really close mix starting out uh, to get, you know, a lot more accurate. It makes everything a lot more consistent in the long run. It's much easier than going and looking at pictures and turning knobs and all that stuff uh, to get it back uh, correct. Now, some boards, depending on which board it is, allow you to protect that as well. Uh, some boards allow you to save it off. Uh, the X32 in particular, which you know I use a lot, um, allows you to save all that to a thumb drive. So the person who's in charge of the ministry would back it up after it's set up uh, and would just keep the thumb drive with them. And if everything, anything ever happened, like they somebody overrode it for any reason, they just bring the thumb drive back in and it comes right back up again. It's a great way of doing it. Plus, if a board would ever die, you can just, you know, get the new board in and put the thumb drive in and bam, you're back up and running uh, in, in no time at all. So it's very, very uh, nice. Some of these boards also have remote snakes. So if you're in a, an older church and it's hard to run all these wires back to where this thing is, if you could just run one cat five from the soundboard to the stage, you put a box called a stage box up on the stage, everything plugs into it. And that one cat five can be your remote snake and the remote snakes, an example on an X32, um, you can do, I think it's, each box or each uh, channel, there's two of them, two digital snakes, and it's uh, 32 back and 64 down. So 64 inputs and 32 outputs can go down that one Cat5. So using bo- using both of those channels, you can double that with 64 and 128, which is much more than most churches uh, would ever need. 
but that also makes the wiring very very easy no no big snake to to run through simple cat5 will will do do the trick for you so it's another thing to consider on um, going going digital as well so um i'm not going to try to sell you sell you sell you on digital but I'm just thinking now's the time. With the technology that's coming out, it's just easier to go to digital at this point. You get a lot more bang for your buck. So this week I've been trying to explain all this to some people, and um, they understand. It just took a little bit to they're, – they're not uh, technology people, which is very, very typical in most churches. So that's where they call in people like us to come in and try to explain it to them and try to ex, you know put it in – uh, terms of money and, and bang for the buck as well as usability and trainability because uh, the particular people work with this week, um, they do have somebody who can run the sound, but they have to be like kind of set up for them. And that's, you know, that's what we'll do for them. But it's a, it's a, I was like brought up a great question of why should I go digital if the analog boards are cheaper this week? And uh, that's when to kind of try to cover that. So I didn't really have much else prepared for this week. However, I do have something I'm going to plan for next week. Um, I had I have another show, uh, and it's called New Media Tech. And uh, a little while ago, I did an episode on microphones. So this is another thing I was uh, going over today about different types of microphones and what's best for using where and things like that. So what I want to do is uh, next week I'm going to, to do a show, but I'm going to also insert the microphone segment from that previous show into this show. Um, there's no reason for me to be recorded again because it was good the way that it was, where I go over different types of microphones, um, a little bit of a more focus probably on broadcast, but the polar patterns and all that stuff are the same, and you'll get a, a good understanding of the different types of microphones and where they can be used as well. So that's what we're going to plan on doing uh, for next week. And um, I have that. I have to go edit that off so I can play it for next week, but that should be uh, good to go. Uh, for that. And any other questions you have about you want us to cover, any subject you want us to cover, please let us know. Just send email to churchtechnology at tech-zen.tv and we'll be sure to cover it. Any questions or whatever. Again, we do this show live uh, every week on Monday nights at uh, 7 p.m. We'd love for you to come and chat. Uh, but if you can't, just uh, send us a, an email and uh, we'll make sure we include it in, in the show. Uh, your input is probably the best way to guide us where we should be going with answering people's questions. We have a lot of stuff we can cover. Uh, we covered streaming last week. We can cover all kinds of IT, um, IT or the software used to run a church. Actually, I can cover that in pretty great detail as well as the networking and the IT infrastructure. Uh, and we also want to talk about some video, uh, video switching, which kind of combines a couple of other shows together. Uh, but we have a pretty broad, uh, knowledge base when it comes to that kind of stuff. Again, if you're on Facebook, we'd love for you to follow us at uh, facebook.com slash techzentv. Um, and we post up the new videos when they come out up there as well. And if you want to get more involved in an actual talking community between other people, if you go to tech-zen.tv and uh, click on the community, it's actually a Google Plus group. But uh, Google Plus groups are much nicer than what the Facebook groups are. So we what we created over there. It allows us to do a lot more structure and monitoring and things like that as well. And again, if you are on YouTube, we'd love for you to go to youtube.com slash TV and hit the subscribe button there. Uh, it just helps us uh, keep track of how many people are actually watching. And we do have that channel separated out into what's called a playlist. And you can watch just the shows you're interested in. So if this is the only show you watch of ours, uh, you can go out there and click on the and subscribe to that particular playlist. And if you're downloading us via podcast, uh, 
like iTunes or Dogcatcher or any of the other podcast directories where we're located, uh, we definitely would appreciate if you go out and give us a rating because that definitely helps us uh, get the word out a little more. And this is a show we want to get the word out as much as we can because we want to help to help churches to grow. And I think technology, um, good or bad, is playing a big role, uh, especially with getting people that are seeking. Uh, most young people that are seeking are in the technology uh, and if you can reach them through social media or through kind of video presentation or audio or whatever it is, we want to help you be able to build that, that function of your church up because that makes you more relevant to them and helps you find the ones who are actually doing the seeking. All right, that's it for church, te- church technology this week. We'll see you next Monday at 7, 7 p.m. For show notes for this show, contacts, and more, go to the techzen.tv website where you can get show notes for all of our shows. We love to hear from our viewers and listeners. We have an email, a Twitter, and a phone number where you can contact us for each show. For details, visit the techzen.tv website and get the show details. You can also make a video and upload it somewhere like YouTube or Vimeo and then just send us a link. You never know, you may see your video in a future show. You can get all of our shows delivered automatically to your favorite device by going to your favorite podcast website like iTunes and subscribing. Each of our shows also has a YouTube channel you can subscribe to to get regular updates. Our shows are also available on most internet radio networks like Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. You can also watch and listen to our shows on Xbox, TiVo, and Roku. You can even find us on your Zoom.